This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. This is Women Who Travel, a podcast from Conde Nast Traveler. I'm Meredith Carey, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Sally Aracoglu. Hello! Few industries have been left unscathed by the pandemic, but there are even fewer that have suffered as hard as the restaurant industry. A year of lockdowns and ever-changing rules on indoor and outdoor dining, and what even constitutes outdoor dining, have forced many to close, and those that are still soldiering on have been forced to pivot in ways that wouldn't have been imaginable one year ago. To talk to us about the current state of the restaurant industry and where it goes from here, we're joined this week by Moon Lin Tsai, co-owner of New York City's Kopi TM, and Serena Dai, a senior features editor overseeing food and travel coverage at the San Francisco Chronicle. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. So apologies for teeing up this episode with a really depressing string of sentences, but it feels urgent and timely to talk about it all. And... Moon Lin, we last spoke to you in June when the chaos wrought by the pandemic still felt relatively new. All these months later, what has changed at CopyTM and what have you learned? So many things have changed and I feel like it's still changing almost every day or every week. Um, last time we spoke, when it was in June, we were kind of getting our footing in where the pandemic it was a couple months in, and at that time, we landed an account with Rethink New York. And so with that, we were making impact meals, about 300 each day. And that was able to get our team by f- until recently. And we were really lucky where we were able to bring back the team that we furloughed, just really pivoting in the most random ways. Um, I feel like it's been such a blur where it's been almost a year, but it also has felt very short. And just watching the team go through, you know, we have outdoor dining and then outdoor dining is closed. And then we never open for indoor dining and just trying to figure out how to compensate for sales in terms of that. It's It's been an ongoing struggle. And we're still, unfortunately, kind of in that same boat that we spoke about almost a year ago. Where do things stand with how you guys are serving food? Um, like at this Oof. moment, as we speak, what does a day look like for you? It's 16 degrees today in New York, so it's really just, it's so weather dependent. You know, we'll have the great days on the weekends where, and then it's so weather dependent that we see like us doing maybe 25% of what we used to do. And that's a great day now. On the daily, when I was at work today, we barely had two guests come by. So it's just been very difficult where the weather is getting colder and we weren't 
able and we don't have the budget to offset with electricity outside. Um, so we're kind of going bare bones and, you know, we've been very lucky that the community has been so supportive. So we still see the same guests that have been coming by for a year straight, like without fail, they're still coming by. And so that's just like lifting everyone's spirits. But I honestly have no idea. Um, this upcoming month is going to be really challenging for us. We're no longer working with Rethink and we're just going to have to figure out how to offset that really, really big hole. Um, hopefully without having any layoffs or furloughs, hoping the next round of PPP will come by and save our asses. So we'll see. We'll see. Ah, I miss your restaurants so much. I miss you. <laughs> How was the move? <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, I moved to San Francisco during the pandemic and they just restarted outdoor dining today in San Francisco. They just wow. started allowing it again. Yeah. So the restaurants here have not had any service on site since some point in December when they locked down again after the Thanksgiving surge. I think it's been really confusing for a lot of people. Um, the, mm -hmm. the cases are still pretty bad in, in Southern California. The Bay Area is thankfully doing better. Um, but with all the news of variants and stuff, my I, I'm curious to see whether people are will go out and eat and how it's so scary. What the demand will be there. Yeah, the vibe is just very different th from when outdoor dining first was allowed in the summer. And I think everyone was just really excited to go out and had been cooped up. And there was this thought that being outside was uh, super safe. And I think with these new variants, there's still people are back in the learning phase of the beginning of the pandemic where there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of questions. A lot of the restaurants here, even though today they're allowed uh, in San Francisco in particular and throughout the Bay Area, were allowed starting on uh, earlier this week. Um, a lot of them aren't going to reopen yet. I think I think just because I don't know if this is a myth or not for diners, but a restaurant can't just switch an on and off switch like a lot of people furloughed employees. You have mm -hmm. to buy supplies. You have to clean. You have to do. I, I mean, you'd have to clean anyway. But right now, in particular, the thorough deep cleans um, and it's really, really rainy this week. So I think a lot of people are just kind of waiting and hoping that they can get back going before Valentine's day, which is a, a big dining day. Yeah. It's really, it's really wild. It's scary. And I, and it's kind of nuts that things are, I don't know, different and yet about the same mm -hmm. <laughs> were a year mm -hmm. ago. <laughs> it's like round two, but I feel like everyone now is just more tired. Yeah. Like we went, there was like an excitement, not an excitement, but like the uncertainty of what this brought last year. And everyone's just like, Oh, what are we going to do? But now it's like, oh, we thought this was going to be over by now and it's hitting again and everyone is just exhausted. And I feel like the creativity, even though it's still going, but it's like, it's kind of plateauing a little bit. Well, and it's hard because it's also, we were always told there was going to be a second wave. Like in a way, none of this is surprising. Like mm -hmm. literally everything that the scientists told us was going to happen and the trajectory that it would go on is what's happening, but it still hasn't made me feel any more mentally prepared for it. Because as you said, Moulin, I'm so tired and I'm not running a business. I'm just existing. I'm, I'm, I'm the one that's ordering the food and missing my <laughs> restaurants, not, not running them. Um, but Serena, when you were saying how you don't, as a restaurant, they don't just like switch it, you know, flip a switch and reopen to outdoor. I mean, 
Moonlin, you can speak to New York, but in California, have restaurants been given any resources to be able to reopen quickly and reopen to outdoor dining? Or is it very much just each to their own? The city and the the government officials here, I think, have made some efforts. Certain fees have been waived. Um, and I think that's the case in New York, too, where there are some fees that have been waived. Uh, but anyone you talk to will be like, it's not enough. <laughs> it's confusing. And I think even though there is some support, you saw it with PPP, right? It's, it's anytime, um, anytime there is any level of support, it's not necessarily distribu- distributed equally. Uh, the businesses that are the least likely to get access to that are ones maybe English is in their first language, or uh, maybe they're a little more distrustful of the government and a little more suspicious of because they've been burned before. Um, so it's statistically, it's just more difficult for some businesses to get access to that money. One really amazing thing that's happened here is there was a ton of support for the Chinatown in San Francisco, where a lot of those businesses are struggling in even before COVID actually hit in earnest in uh, in the United States, which is a story that's been told a lot across the country. Uh, but luckily, there was some funding from the city to help some business in San Francisco Chinatown. Uh, really a grassroots effort from people in the community and people who live there and work there and who just love the neighborhood. Um, so thankfully, there's some restaurants there that are going to be able to feed vulnerable populations in Chinatown. And that is a little bit of support. And there, there's one particular restaurant um, that uh, is the oldest, one of the oldest banquet restaurants in Chinatown. And they were going to close. They were like, at the end of the year, we're done. We can't do this anymore. They are still open for now. It's not really clear if they'll be around for the long term, but at least for now they have this money and can kind of take it another day at a time. Uh, and I think a lot of people are doing that right now is is just, OK, we have this small bit of support. Like it's not it's not enough. I don't think. Uh, yeah, I think when any of these plans were put out, there was not necessarily an expectation that it would need to last. I don't know, maybe a year and a half. We have no idea when we're we're going to come out of it. And I think when people go into the restaurant industry and and similarly in media, there's this idea of um, running an adrenaline and when something just needs to get done, it, it kind of, it's like a busy night of service, right? <laughs> like there, there's like, okay, this is a lot and it's stressful, but you're able to do it because yep. you're running on this adrenaline. And I, I felt similarly when the pandemic first hit, I was running on adrenaline and saying, okay, there's all this stuff going. <laughs> my, my industry is completely destroyed. What, like, what are all the angles that we should be tackling in that? And my adrenaline is also kind of running out. And I don't know how many more stories I can write about, you know, here's what outdoor dining is back. It's gone again. It's back. <laughs> It's a yo-yo next. It's a yo-yo. And a lot of the issues are the same. We've been facing the same issues for the last year as far as not enough support, support not being distributed correctly. People are hungry, meanwhile. And I, I think there's a fatigue setting all around. Yeah, the fatigue is, it's real. And I think people are just starting to lose hope. And also back then there was a lot of people that still had their jobs that were able to go out and support. And I feel like a lot of people now they're like, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be employed and have a job. So I feel like people are also just a little more hesitant about extra spending or it's like, it's such a big jump since last year until right now. But on the flip side, it's been really fun seeing a lot of restaurants opening up during this time where it's like, yeah. And then seeing those restaurants is giving everybody hope. And it's like, okay, you know, you know, the circle is just going to keep going. 
but we'll see. Well, it's interesting seeing these new places open up where they're not being met by the same set of surprises that, say, you were as a restaurant owner. They're, they're sort of going in with their eyes wide open because the last year has already taken place. And I feel like I've seen some like really sort of creative things happening. And it's, it's like it feels hopeful. It, it, it reminds you that when you see someone like opening a business and starting something new, it's like they're thinking about the future, which can feel so hard right now. So when you see someone do it, it's exciting. It is. It's they're so brave. And it's amazing because I feel like right now when you open a restaurant, everyone is so excited for you. And there is that really big support network. You know, I think back then, prior to pandemic, it's like, great, a new restaurant's opening. I can't wait to try it out. But now I feel like everyone is just so invested in who these people are. How can we help? Like, what do you need? I have this. Do you need this? And so there's this couple um so double chicken please they used to drive around making cocktails and like slaying chicken sandwiches and they just opened in the lower east side and it's amazing they no indoor dining but they have everything set up and so now it's just you're able to access i feel like and really get to know the people behind these entities that are coming now and so in a way hospitality is at an all-time high just in a very different way Did you guys hear about that couple that went on vacation and one spouse murdered the other? In fact, the entire vacation was planned just so that they could make the murder look like an accident. Ah, so like a slaycation. Oh boy, sounds like a fun new true crime podcast to me. On every episode of Slaycation, we'll examine true cases of people who were killed while on vacation. Was it murder? Or just a horrible accident. That's up to you and the law to decide. But either way, if you leave for your vacation in the plane and come home under the plane, you've definitely gone on a slaycation. Join us every week for a fascinating new episode. 911, what's your emergency? But make sure to pack your body bags because getting away can be murder. This is Slaycation. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium, Apple Card, or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval terms apply. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to level up? For me, it's my hiking boots, which have gotten me over some pretty tough terrain. And I'm not talking about my morning commute on the New York City subway. They've pushed me to go to far off places like trekking in the remote mountains in Patagonia, wildlife spotting amid the thick rainforest of the Amazon, and climbing through canyons in the Utah desert. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. There's an available panorama glass roof, 33-inch all-terrain tires, and multi-terrain select driving modes. 
Its advanced technology and luxurious interior means that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. You know, I think there's been so much conversation, just kind of going back to your point, a little bit about the variance, about the ethics of eating at a restaurant and going and sitting down even outside and having, you know, potentially putting servers at risk and and making them be around you, even while the government is encouraging us as private citizens to get out and, and support restaurants um, and telling us that it's fine to do so at 25% or 50% or 75%, depending on where you live. I would love to know from both of you how you personally and how you think we generally can dance that line of like being responsible and still supporting the restaurant industry? I I think about this a lot. So our team, they're younger. When we first opened, they were all in high school and majority of them have now graduated. They're in their first year of college and it's really cute. And I was actually really sad in the beginning. I was like, oh, they're all leaving. But actually more than half of them stayed in the city. So they came back. Um, We were talking about this and to really respect, you know, their safety and then also my own personal space and what I expect. Even though we have outdoor dining, we decided that we're not going to do full service. So you're going to order six feet away and we'll put it out there for you. Majority of the guests have been really awesome about it. They're like, great, you can just drop it there and we'll pick it up. But then, you know, reading Yelp, there are those who are like, you know, I'm paying this and they just left it there and we still have to go get it. They didn't come wipe, like not wipe down the table, but they didn't come pick up my stuff after. So it's, it's difficult. I just, the biggest thing I would ask people is to just have a little more compassion and just understanding, like we're all trying to make ends meet and we want to be able to provide the highest level of service possible. But at the same time, if my team doesn't feel comfortable, I'm not going to make them go out. It's, we meet halfway, we find a compromise and you know, I feel like the food, the integrity is still there. Even if you just walk a little bit, pick it up and then bring it back to your table. We'll come back after you're gone, wipe everything down and make sure it's ready for the next round. And if you ever need anything, we're here for you. Um, I think so. It's just majority of the guests have been really awesome about it. And they still come over and just ask what we need. And that's really sweet. And I think it's really just making sure your team, your family is taken care of first and for all those who are coming after and just, you know, saying like very hurtful remarks. I'm sorry. If one of us goes down, we're all going to go down. So let's just work together and be respectful for everyone. We're working hard and we're, we're trying. I cannot imagine going and writing a Yelp review right now. I mean, honestly, I sort of struggle to imagine doing it non-pandemic anyway <laughs> yes <laughs> oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and I, I feel really i feel really bad for businesses because essentially restaurants right now are having to be not only a restaurant not only a chef not only a manager for a front of house but also their own mini health departments there's just i mean even though it's been a year and <laughs> There is still this thread of different cities, 
different regions having different rules and not having enough national guidance on it. I uh, I need to catch up on what everything that Biden's planning as far as national guidance goes. But the fact that there are places in the United States where you're not legally required to wear a mask to go in certain places is, is wild. And of course, it's, I mean, it, I think one thing I've really struggled with in the last year is a, I do think that consumers have a responsibility to be respectful to people, but I am also sympathetic to the fact that there's not leadership on this. And when you are hearing so many different things from so many different people, of course, people are going to throw their hands up and saying, well, what's the point? What's the point of this? Who am I supposed to believe? And so not only restaurants, but individual people, we're all supposed to navigate our own boundaries and our safety and like reading through every single health recommendation. And some of them are saying different things and which sources am I going to trust? And what do I do if a family member or a friend has read a different source and has a different take on it? And it's stressful. It's and just another level of stress added on everything. Um, it's really challenging. And I sometimes feel like I am in a bubble, like a social media bubble in general, where like I'm wearing a mask when a server comes up and I, you know, there's only so many articles I can read or put out saying like, wear your goddamn mask. It's the people who are sharing those stories are already wearing their masks Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. are we actually reaching the people who are skeptical of all of these health rules? I don't, I don't really know. And I, this is not particularly optimistic, this whole thread of thinking (laughs) I'm saying, Uh, (laughs) but I do think we reached a point in the pandemic where that's difficult to go back from regarding trust and Mm -hmm. mistrust with authority and, and with, what the right thing to do is. And I think it's the more people get confused, the more they then end up taking risks because they haven't just been given consistent messaging. And I think, you know, the other thing is, is that I just feel guilty all the time, simply for like existing at this point, simply for (laughs) for, for like contemplating that I'm like going to the grocery store too many times or that I'm, I am eating outside and enjoying my favorite restaurants. And then I'm, at the same time being told no, you really got to stay inside now like it's it's very essential i'm like but de blasio just told me to go have a winter out adventure <laughs> <laughs> which are exact words he said when it snowed the other day oh my god oh, man. <laughs> exactly i think if we had a more streamlined whether it's harsher and more strict but everyone's just kind of on the same platform i think that would help so much instead of literally going to Long Island just 30 minutes away and you can go indoor dining. And this is last year. So I, I've also been dealing with like guilt and, and shame or, or just even, I don't know, it's been a challenging pandemic and <laughs> in general, like <laughs> mental health wise. And just reminding myself that we're, we're pretty much all in hell right now. And there are various levels of hell. And <laughs> I'm like, well, at least I have my job. And I'm like, yeah, but that doesn't mean I'm not also in hell. Like I'm probably in the best level of hell that one could possibly be in <laughs> at this point. And I'm grateful that I'm not in a worse hell than I'm in now, but we're all kind of in it. And I'm looking, I'm not even the top level. I'm like looking up at the people who are able to pay to get ahead of a line of the vaccine because they have so much money and resources and it's disgusting. But all I'm doing is yelling at the, at the top level of yeah. hell and mm-hmm. like, yep. you know, looking, watching TikTok and JLo's beautiful home and like, <laughs> God bless you, JLo. You have brought me entertainment, but also I'm just, 
or like that imagine videos like god bless all of oh you i know you're just in a different level of hell of me but i cannot i cannot watch you in your humongous house at the yard imagine was almost a year ago <laughs> Are you, it's been that hmm. <laughs> the, the one year anniversary of the imagine video. <laughs> um, we have all just talked about feeling a little unsure of what to do. So I'm going to ask for some action items from both of you, um, which is what are the best ways that you are finding to support your favorite restaurants right now? Or Moonland, what you wish people, how you wish people would, would support Kopi TM at the moment? I think it's the same from last year where, A, I think most importantly is compassion and understanding and being a little more empathetic towards the situation. For a while, we were able to bring back two to three people on our team. Next month, I'm not sure we might have to go back down to running at bare bones. And so just understanding the fluctuating, the uncertainty of everything... <laughs> on that Yelp review, Yelp still helps a lot, <laughs> unfortunately. So if you have the time and you're unable to physically go out or support, you know, leaving a review or just sharing social media is still so strong and so powerful where it's, it's mind boggling how much social media has really helped during the pandemic. So if you have a favorite restaurant, post about it, especially the restaurants that aren't on social, that would help a lot. You know, the restaurants in Chinatown where most of them don't have an account if you can even reach out and see if there's a way for you to help them get onto social. And even just paying restaurants a visit, if you're able to walk by, just check in on the team and just tell them how happy you are that they're still around, it goes a really long way. I don't think people realize how much simple words or just simple face-to-face -face, like, hello, we're glad you're here, really, really helps the morale of the team. And also, of course, merch. Supporting by food, coming for your takeout or delivery, however you like. We love it all. Yeah, I think those are all great. I would also add on to that. I think we all, you know, have our limits with how much we can spend on takeout or merch or even time to leave the house. And I, I am trying to do all those things as well. But I think for people who maybe don't feel like they have as much expendable income um, is, is kind of reframing the way that you think about how to support restaurants because I think there's all these businesses and whether it's calling into your politicians or your government officials and saying, Hey, this is something I care about. Um, the reality is that a lot of places are going to close and have closed and just aren't going to reopen again. And I'm frustrated by increasingly frustrated of our culture of, of individualism in the sense of expecting consumers to save everything, right? Like de Blasio mm -hmm. is saying it's go out and eat. It's like, okay, de Blasio, but like, what if you just pay people to stay at home and paid businesses to stay open kind of thing? I mean, New York city has its own budget issues as to San Francisco <laughs> and every other government and local government and really ultimately does have to come from the federal government. And again, going to that level, like, okay, Reminder, I do care about restaurants. I do care about this. And also I care about the workers. And hey, when are we going to get universal health care? Like these are all issues that are intertwined with the restaurant industry and the safety of the most vulnerable workers. And I think that in food media, food media is really great. And I, I, I do love being in this space. But I do also think that there's a tendency of food lovers and food media to seed in a silo. But restaurants exist in our wild, wider world. Restaurant workers and all this language of support workers, support workers, like, yes, restaurant, we should, but also restaurant workers exist in this wider sphere of the world we live in. And there are certain things that we have to 
change dramatically. Raising minimum wage, I think that is a great thing to do. Also, there are other factors that make running a small business really hard. And there are a lot of people who can't afford that because the cost of doing business is challenging. There are some restaurants that can afford to raise their prices and some restaurants that can't. And those things reflect on our larger systemic issues as well. And so even thinking about the Save Our Restaurants narrative and Saving Our Restaurant Workers narrative as a wider issue and a wider system and wider systemic things. And I think that wanting universal health care is an issue that would help restaurants <laughs> like if and it would help restaurant workers more. Um, you can tip as much as you want, but it's like nothing's actually going to change in the long term unless we have some of these bigger things solved and kind of thinking a little bit more about about it from that sense. I think there's a lot of demands from food media to talk about these issues. And I think, I think it's fair. I think that food media should be talking about these issues and lifestyle media should be addressing these issues and acknowledging it. That said, lifestyle media and food media is about, is inherently about luxury. Going to a restaurant is a luxury. And I feel grateful to be working in this space because I eat really great food and meet really great people. And um, my job is helping people find the best possible food. And that's incredible. But it is ultimately a luxury and some of these bigger, some of our more basic needs do need to be met. And I'm not sure that food media in itself is something that can solve that. I think that's something that's such a much, much bigger, wider question. And we can't necessarily look to individual restaurant owners to solve all these problems. We can't look to individual workers to solve these problems. (laughs) And even someone as big as Danny Meyer, who was for a very long time considered a pioneer in this industry and rightly so, but the you know it's bigger than him and and everyone just needs to keep that in mind when they're they're talking about this and kind of just talking to their friends about it and framing politics in a way that addresses people's day-to-day desires and needs it's not to say there's no individual responsibility everyone does have individual responsibility the issues are just much much bigger and we can we got to do both i think i'm ready for the next step of what can we actually do and who are we asking for what and um, where are we spending our energies? So on the subject of next steps, how would you both like to see the restaurant industry pivot or even sort of change permanently on the other side of this when we are out of it? What What are the changes that you want to either stick around or be born out of this thing? I feel like through the pandemic, what I've been seeing is a lot of friends who are chefs and, you know, they got furloughed or laid off from their other job. They were able to pivot and start cooking food that really means something to them. And I've noticed for restaurants, too, it's even, you know, restaurant down the street that used to sell, I don't know, Italian. They're now going and touching the roots and going to Taiwanese Chinese where it it just connects more. And so I've been seeing a lot of this and it's really awesome. So I'm hoping that through that you know, chefs and restaurateurs are able to dig deeper and find what makes themselves happy and spread that. Because I feel like that's very infectious. And so there's this movement of really delicious foods and even outside of having a physical brick and mortar where a lot of people are transitioning into pop-ups or collaborations. And there's this really huge sense of community in a very safe way, community (laughs) hangout space where It's really awesome to see. And I think the creativity is being pushed to the boundaries, you know, when you're going through something like a pandemic and you're forced to pivot and pivot and pivot and just find creative ways to push through. It's 
what comes out from the other end, it's going to be incredible. And I hope a lot of that, you know, especially the community aspect of it, the support of each other will keep going through afterwards. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think the pandemic really uh, started coalitions and collaborations mm-hmm. and connected people more. And and, it, and it's also shown that restaurants can be an impactful force in how policy goes. Uh, I mean, you look at the fact that Newsom did reopen. I cannot read minds. I'm not a political reporter. I don't know why he did it, but I would not be surprised if it were in part because of the pressure of the hospitality industry and kind of looking at what that means and and what that voice can can be um, on, a, on a bigger scale. So I do hope that continues and people don't entirely 100% go back into their bubbles of running the restaurant day to day. And I and I don't think it I don't think it will. I think something this traumatic happening. Uh, people aren't going to forget. People aren't going to forget that this is something that can happen. Um, and here, pop-ups are really going wild. And some of the hottest food to get in the Bay Area is from pop-ups and people cooking out of very small spaces with limited runs. I got a shout out my favorite ice cream, Good Children Ice Cream here, which I like plan my weekend around going to pick it up. Uh, it's just it's just so good. And I, I, and it sounds like she's going to be expanding and doing wholesale after this. And so I, I, again, hope that energy just keep going. The adaptability that people have had has been super, super incredible and really amazing to see. And I think a lot of people taking, taking charge of their own destinies over the course of pandemic, because they don't have a, partly because you don't have a choice. (laughs) because The restaurants (laughs) are closed. Um, But the kind of energy uh, and this, the fact that, this showed how fragile restaurants can be, uh, did force people to figure out their own thing. And my hope is that once the pandemic is over and vaccines are more widespread, that that same idea of we don't have to be boxed into what, what we thought we could be before. I also hope that that energy continues. So speaking about the future, looking towards the very happy day where we will be in a packed full restaurant indoors or even just a packed full restaurant outdoors or like a kind of half full restaurant outdoors. <laughs> um, what are the places that you guys cannot wait to eat, whether they are around the corner or halfway around the world? What are your like, when I get back out there, I have to go eat at this place? I've been very homesick for the West Coast and I've been, Kopitiam has not closed through the pandemic. And then on top of Kopitiam, my girlfriend and I started a uh, heart of dinner, which we service homebound senior elderly. So it's seven days of work every single day. And I just really want to go back to San Diego for maybe a week, decompress a little bit, be at the ocean. And I've been craving carne asada burritos from San Diego <laughs> all pandemic. And I'm like, oh, so that and then going to Orange County and getting some Vietnamese food. That's it. And maybe some in and out and I'm good. Like, I don't know why, but it's those three things. And I'm just like, I just want that. But in the immediate area, um, we've had friends like Vanda who closed down during the winter and it's unfortunate and our friends at Beso, but hoping that when things pick up a little bit, they'll be able to return. And when that day comes, I'll be first in line and just really excited for their possible coming back. And I think it's gonna be really important for people to go out and support these restaurants when after the winter hits and they're able to reopen. 
I also know vacations are like a myth for restaurant new restaurant owners, but all I hope for you in 2021 is that you get to take a vacation. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> I just want to go hiking or West Coast. Serena, I'm going to co-find you after the pandemic. Oh my God, done. please, please come visit me. I would be thrilled. Uh, Serena, where do you want to eat? Oh my God, I want to eat everywhere. I just... I, I, I just I got here and I it's it's been really exciting to take this job and to to start eating Bay Area food. But God, do I want to just go into a restaurant and just start actually learning the dining scene and getting a sense of it from inside the spaces. I love pop ups, but I also love one huge reason I love restaurants is being in the space. I love going in. I love even just walking to the bathroom and hearing the music that's the place there and seeing the art and feeling the energy. And I think it's really challenging to get a s- true sense of a dining scene without that. And I'm looking forward to just going to all the places that people have recommended and being there and really getting, eating fresh hot food over a plate I would never buy for myself, like a beautiful ceramic plate that probably costs $120. And I would never ever buy a set, <laughs> but, it's, but I feel very fancy eating there. And talking to a psalm and having them recommend a wine made by some nuns in Georgia. And I'm like, yes, I'll order it. I don't care. <laughs> Say no more. I, I really want to have those experiences. But like Milan, I also would love to, I can't wait to travel again. I love, love, love New York city and I miss it. And I did have a chance to eat outside at a bunch of places before I left, but there are certainly a few places that I wish I could have experienced uh, indoors as well one last time. And so I would love to also return and, and do a little little hop around. <laughs> so for when that day comes, when you can go back to New York, so you guys can really just like swap places. It's true. Um, it's true. You can do an apartment swap. <laughs> um, where can people watch those travels on social media? I'm on Instagram at moonlinsai. It's M-O-O-N-L-Y-N-N-T-S-A-I. And I am on Instagram and Twitter at SSDAI. And you can find all the work at sfchronicle.com. I'm at Oh Hey There Mayor. I'm at Lale Hannah. Be sure to subscribe to Women Who Travels newsletter. Follow us on Instagram and join our Facebook group. You should also check out a story that was in the Guide to Getting Back Out There that we talked about last week that Priya Krishna did about where chefs want to eat when they get back out there. Uh, We will link that in the show notes. Uh, Be sure to support your local restaurant any way that you can. And we will talk to you next week. I'm Chris Murphy. I'm Richard Lawson. And I'm Hilary Busis. We are from Vanity Fair's Still Watching Podcast. Next up, we're watching the new HBO show, The Regime. Madam Chancellor, let's keep the gloves on. This is not a confrontation. We're just saying what's true. Academy Award winner Kate Winslet is our chancellor as she leads a faux European autocracy in turmoil. We'll be watching week by week as the regime unravels. And we'll be talking to the stars along the way. New episodes of Still Watching will drop every Sunday after the regime airs. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. 
Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth.